0: Our special guest today is Jermaine Edwards. He's the CEO and founder of the IA Group. Jermaine loves sales, business, and his growing family, so much so that he spent almost two decades in sales, account management, and leading teams before co-launching his first business in 2013, then founding multiple companies in manufacturing, events, commercial, technology, and consulting. Jermaine has seen firsthand the challenges of building and scaling companies from the inside and out failures, and successes, the livelihoods of employees that are carried in every leader's decision, and the power and opportunities that come from a customer-centric approach. As leading customer growth strategist, advisor, international speaker, and award-winning author, Germaine is invited by business leaders and organizations today to bring insights on in how to unlock new revenue profits and partnerships with their existing customers working with small business groups and larger organizations like Dell Technologies, London Business School, GE, and more. Since 2016, Jermaine's clients have delivered more than a quarter of a billion dollars in value to their customers. As well as being an industry leading consultant, Jermaine sits on the boards of multiple companies and has held roles as program director for Bayes Business School and the City University in London. Jermaine's mission is help B2B SMEs understand and master customer-centric growth strategies so they can reduce the pain and cost of growth, thrive in any market, and make a bigger positive impact with their customers. Jermaine and his family have six kids, and his wonderful wife, Heather, live in Columbia, South Carolina. And with that said, Jermaine, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you very
1: much, Rich. I need to carry you with me wherever I go to kind of read that statement out every single time. <laughs> um, just just one, one correction. It's now seven kids with a, a recent daughter who arrived two weeks ago.
0: Seven kids. Well, congratulations to you. <laughs> uh, I've, and uh, to our listeners, I've gotten a chance to know Jermaine over the years. I think you, when I had known you, you had about four or five kids. So you've kind of grown a family correct. since I've exactly. known you. <laughs> very nice. Well, Jermaine, you're a special person to me, and I know you're a special person to your cu- customers and clients. But most today, most importantly today, we want to hear your story. Okay, how you yeah. start? How did you decide to be an entrepreneur? How did you start the IA Group? Was it easy? Was it hard? We'll talk a little bit about the journey. But let's, if you wouldn't mind, let's let our listeners know a little bit more about you and the background of, of becoming an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, so I'll try to ground it in in, in two kind of. Um story arcs so one is the accidental entrepreneur and in the, the second is the intentional one so um right back in the university right towards the end of my university um the yeah, end of university I think it's yeah the end of university I was in Germany at the time and I'd never been somebody who was really great with money um to be honest I was somebody who spent the money and recognized because I was reasonably talented I, I reasonably kind of a um industrious I can go out and just find a job and just earn it back. But in this particular period, I was in Germany, um, completely broke, and I was walking home after a lecture. And at that point in time, I said to myself, look, the next place I find, I'm going to walk in and ask if they have an opportunity for a job. So I'm walking down the street, and I see this dance studio to my left. So the lights are on, it looked like there's some activity there. So I thought, let me just walk in and better understand what's happening. there." So I walk in to the dance studio and the person there would look like the owner of the studio immediately said to me, this is in German directly, um, you must be the, the dance teacher. And instantly I said, absolutely, I am. That's exactly who I am. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> and that that led actually to me being actually the, the the main dance teacher for contemporary dance at that studio for six months. Um, now what what took place there was my first opportunity of taking something that wasn't and turning it into something that was. And and I in that particular moment I understood a couple of things about myself. That one, I had the capabilities of taking something right from its natural raw ingredients, not having any experience and turning it into something that is profitable. And that was that was eye-opening for me because I'd never necessarily put myself in that kind of position where I didn't have some leverage or some kind of advantage going in to go and develop something. So that was a real experience of taking that responsibility and, and doing that. So That's my first accidental entrepreneurial opportunity where I got to run that studio and actually became a partner with that particular business owner later on. The second half of this is actually after a sales career of about kind of eight years going on 10 years. I was actually put in a position where I was speaking with a client, and the client had said to me, look, Jermaine, we really love what, what you're doing. We'd love you to come and speak to, to our team about stuff that you do with us, like the account management stuff that you do. We love the way that you do stuff. Can you come and speak to them about what you're doing? So I said, oh, yeah, i happy to go do that. So I ended up having this conversation. It was great. The team got a lot of value from it. And uh, instantly, the, uh, my, my client said, you should write a book on what you just told us. And I said, that's, a, that's, that's like a great idea. And I'm still working. So I go to my actual my MD at the time, and I said, "Look, I'm going to write a book about about stuff that like I'm doing, and would you like to be involved?" And she said, "Well, no, n- not really interested in that, but go ahead and write the book, and you know whatever comes of it comes of it." Not knowing that I was actually going to leave the company a year later <laughs> because of writing the book, <laughs> but anyway. But so I wrote this book, 2016. It ended up selling 500 copies um, fairly quickly uh, as I put it out as gifts, and I ran these competitions with my own clients at the time. And that kind of spurned this opportunity for me to go out and talk about some things I'd learned, the failures and the successes. And that then kind of branched itself out into a range of different other areas, which allowed me to, to work in pharmaceuticals, manufacturing, in uh, events. And uh, it just spurned a range of different kind of entrepreneurial opportunities from there. But that's that was the kind of the impetus of being more intentional versus the accidental.
0: Well, I didn't know this about you being a dance instructor, so I learned something every day today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love how people start, right? They just know, don't know where they start. But I did like what you said. You took something that wasn't and you turned it into something that was, and that seems to be carrying with you all the way through to today and helping other people do the same. All right, but looking back, you said you've seen some failures. Okay, so I would say if you were talking to yourself back then, uh, what are some things that you maybe say you would do a little bit differently knowing what you know today?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a couple of immediate things. Um, I've had a number of different partners uh, over the years. And um, one particular very hard lesson learned with one particular partner who I, I, took, I took for granted that they were somebody that I knew and that was somebody that could be trustworthy with particular areas of the business. And so the big big mistake here without going into details of that particular story, which I I could do, is actually understand, understand the people that you work with and that you you share the same values. It sounds so trite and so, but you sharing the same values, even if they have, even if they're the best person in the world, the greatest, greatest skill sets, greatest capabilities, you don't share the same values, you are destined for failure, destined and doomed, because at the point in which you reach a particular parts where you need to make a decision and that person's going to either choose character or compromise Mm -hmm. and unfortunately in this particular regard this person was choosing compromise every single time without me knowing and it ended up in a significant um challenge for me being 1.8 million dollars in debt almost facing jail time in a range of different things that's a different story all by itself but such a hard lesson learned Felt completely destroyed by it. And it actually took me a long while to recover from that. Um, that mistake of choosing somebody who just wasn't aligned. I, I was blinded by the fact that they could do the role well. We'd known each other for a little while, but we really hadn't had the conversation around what you actually value.
0: Well, Jermaine, without jumping into the details of that, and, but I think it's important because a lot of people listening here are already business owners who have partners and maybe they like to not have that partner anymore. Or some people just think about going into business for the first time and think about partners. Um did you come up with an assessment to figure out the values? I'm assuming before you can see if somebody else has the same values, you need to identify your own values, right? And then you have to have some metrics to flush that out with a potential partner.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now everybody I imagine would have their own way of of thinking this through. But I actually came across a particular book by Brian Tracy some years back called The Um it's called the value point or something in in that area, something point, but actually it it lays out a framework of structure for thinking about the things that you hold to be true. Now your values are the things that you hold yourself accountable to. And, and that then shapes the lens in which you begin to operate in. And so what you want to begin to do is figure out for yourself, what are the operating principles that you want to guide and hold yourself accountable to? And once you've identified those things, simply by asking a really simple set of questions, when I meet somebody, how is it that I want to be able to be um, to treat this individual? Um, what do I want this person to walk away with? That might be a, a first step, a set of principles that, that guide the values which you have around people. And so I had these categories of people, finances, customers, and I began to build out these particular um, categories. And I said, in these categories, let's ask some questions around how I want to operate and what. I want people to experience. And those became guiding principles for where those values would sit. That's how I arrived at mine. Other people may think about those differently, uh, but my faith really kind of drives a lot of that. But instantly, I needed to put them in categories so that I could distill them and communicate them well to other people. Uh, And that's what I decided to do, put them into categories and and make sure I, I understood exactly principally what am I holding myself accountable to. That was the first part of that.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so so when it came to this particular area of, of not really getting this right with this particular partner is I didn't have what I called the kind of the value criteria. We didn't sit down and say, hey, what, what, what do you care about? You know, in these circumstances, how do we want to deal with disagreement? How do we want to deal with the really obscure and un, unclear decisions that need to be made in, in complex situations? We needed to have that conversation and we didn't. We simply just said, Where's the commercial uh, interest? And we never thought about the other ca- character-based things that would drive and help us to make decisions with our team and with other aspects of the business as well.
0: Well, if that book isn't written, uh, you should be the one to write it. So because <laughs> I think, you know, so many people, I mean, partnerships are great. The world is developed you know, businesses by partnerships, but a lot of war stories, too, that could be avoided if they would okay. maybe have had that conversation up front. Okay. Well, that was a devastating one. That's $1.8 million in debt, almost jail time. I don't think you want to go there again, but, uh, but you've also made some good decisions. You've been successful mm-hmm. and you re- recalibrated. And so what are some, maybe a couple of one or two key decisions that you did right to help you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah. I think one of the, the things that I've, I've come to recognize is this particular premise of who, not how. And so what I've often found to be true for myself is that I can go to the, how do we get to done it and get obsessed with the kinds of what we need to do, what we need to do and how do we go do it, rather than begin to broaden the perspective of, of looking at my network, looking at the resources and thinking, how do I expand the pie? And how do I get people who already know how to go do it, partner with them well, and actually then begin to create a much bigger reservoir of impact, reservoir of, of resource that flows to the people that I most care about, which are my customers, my family and so forth. And so what i began to do is rather than look at problems through what i need to do or how can i solve it i ask myself who has already solved this problem Mm. or who can i go and speak with and get counsel from get good discernment from get good and wise instruction from in these areas and i spend the time money or resource to go make sure i can fast track those things and make the best and wisest choice possible decisions uh, in those areas so that really that decision some years back now to operate on who not how has been instrumental to me
0: you know i like that and as always there's really nothing new under the sun this is no. finding someone who's already created it and being willing to learn from them and heed their wisdom um is uh, both of men, you and i are men of faith so we actually have the, a good book that uh, wrote a lot of this instruction Uh-oh. down oh, the no, forest. no doubt mom. about
1: that without a doubt <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very good. Well, let's take a little take a little break here—a commercial break, actually. So you're the IA Group. Uh, this is an opportunity to share with our listeners uh, anything you'd like to, any book, event, or uh, you know, more explain more who your customer is, so they can see if the, it would apply to them. So this is your time. We'll do a little commercial break for for you.
1: Well, wonderful. Well, it's, uh, First and foremost, I want to just offer a question or a challenge to uh, those who are here who have businesses who. Are- you have established companies you have customers and you know there's something more that you want to be able to do with your customers you know that you could be doing more you should be doing more in fact the relationships you have there are really really strong relationships but it don't seem to be yielding the kinds of results that you expect they should be here's the challenge to you why not why why aren't they actually delivering the things that you really know they should be doing when you have the relationships. Well, I want to submit to you that most of the time, in most cases, this is not about your effort. It's not about your product or service or your work. It's simply about a system in a set of principles that exist uniquely between us and our customers that aren't being deployed. And what do I mean by that? Well at the iron group, what we are there to do, primarily through my business with small businesses and, and as we look at the kind of global companies we work with is help organizations to understand and master customer-centered growth what does that mean it means the ability for you as an organization to leverage the agreements the goodwill the resources capabilities um and requirements you have created with your customers for the current and future benefit of your business and your customers if you're unable to do that accurately and, and effectively leverage that it's very very likely you're going to have teams that are overwhelmed Overworked, You're going to have inconsistent and stagnant growth. You're going to have particular customers that you rely on more than others because you're unable to move other customers forward in a very proactive and a growth way. You're going to have low engagement and high churn and low retention. And so what we want to be able to do is to put yourself in a position where you have highly connected and confident teams, where you have high percentages of your customers desiring to grow with you, You're not asking for them. They're actually coming to you directly. You have loyalty that's going out of the roof. You have referrals coming in. You have a range of different things operating your business that allows you to have greater confidence on where your business could go next. And that's what we want to help you to go do. So if you're interested in that, understanding more about how we do that for businesses, you can go to jamaedadwords.com or to the IA group, and you can sign up, make sure you're you're getting connected to our customer growth solutions and intelligent solutions, and equally, if you're a small business, you can come speak to me directly. I'd love to talk about how we can help you with that as well.
0: Great. Right. Let me ask you a couple of questions about that. Do you find in your journey, maybe this is not an either or, maybe it's a both in an and, that a lot of founders, CEOs of companies, either they haven't thought about this question that you just posed in a long time and needs to be refreshed, or they've never thought about it thoroughly, or they know it very intimately, but they've never been able to communicate it downstream to their staff?
1: Yeah, so it's a good, good set of questions there. So I think it's oftentimes, I think we're assuming this is happening, but not actually measuring whether or not it's, it is happening. And so what do I mean by that? Where it's oftentimes we're assuming something is happening with our customers because our customers are paying us every single month or we get a set of percent, a percentage of customers that stay with us. And so we pat ourselves on the back and we say, hey, we've got some customers that have stayed and customers that are still paying us that has nothing necessarily to do with whether or not they're willing to pay or, or actually give you more of their time or energy resource and revenue um, and, and profits that are coming out of their business. That's only an indication that one, they're either satisfied, indifferent or uninspired to some degree. So if they're satisfied, they'll probably stay because actually the, the cost of moving may be pretty high for them. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're willing to, to refer you or are willing to be even more loyal and engage with you directly. So I think we need to really begin to get out of the the realm of assumption and into really kind of active working measures of how do we know we're actually improving or, or getting better with our customers. And I think it begins with that kind of open and honest conversation of saying what would need to be true for us to create an environment that our customers never want to leave. In fact, not only never want to leave, but actually want to refer and pay us more every single year. And if we don't have a significant percentage of our customers growing every single year, why is that the case? Why are we so reliant on just a handful of customers to renew with us every year? And why would we feel so stressed going out to market, having to win new business every single month, knowing we have this this wonderful client base that we should be tapping into? So I'd I'd submit that that is probably, that's one of the first things, is this assumption that something is happening without an active measuring of what actually is taking place. That's the first thing. The second thing actually is culture, is that we aren't necessarily creating the environment at a leadership level, where we're actually setting the vision or setting a particular um, mandate or set of governing structures for helping our, our people to make customer-centered decisions that actually make it easier for our customers and us to work better together. And so i often go to leadership and say, well, how are you creating the environment that makes it easier for your people and customers to work together? And oftentimes I am met with a, well, you know, we we have we have training. I'm like, well, training is not a cultural thing. It can be part of it, but it's it doesn't set a vision for who you're trying to become to your customers. So, I'd say two of the most important things that I tend to look to first is one, how do we test the assumptions that you have, and how do we and then apply the right kinds of measures, and secondly, how do we create a culture that allows for you and your customers to actually partner better together
0: yeah fantastic and i don't think as a consumer it's hard for us to say out loud that the whole customer service experience is lacking yeah <laughs> let's go out there go out there in the world today and buy something and you'll find out and you'll find out pretty quickly
1: absolutely yeah
0: at the same time the people who got it right are just uh, are just uh, winning the game big time
1: yeah. yeah without a doubt
0: all right let's shift okay so uh Uh, 2022 is a nightmare economically. We had, you know, labor issues. Uh, We had COVID or post-COVID issues. We had logistical issues. We name it. We had it all, right? Wars, we had it all. 2023, I call it the hangover. We still have a lot of that carrying into this year, still political unrest and wars and still the same thing. So it's getting harder to navigate companies. So you're a founder, CEO of a company. So this is a two-part question. How are you seeing... The first part of the question is, how are you navigating your company? Do you see this as yeah. a time to expand, opportunity, excited? Are you on the opposite side, time to retreat, uh, you know, not diversify, maybe shut down some operations? How are you seeing it as a founder and leader in a company? Let's just take that first part of the question. I'll we'll go to the second one after this. Uh, just leading, leading the charge in 2023 and beyond.
1: Yeah, so... I'll say I will offer kind of two ways I'm thinking about this. So so what some some years back, and it was probably in 2019, I remember traveling back from kind of a great excuse. I traveled to 22 countries in, in 12 months. So we was going through this this range of different kind of projects that were running. And um, as we were kind of ending 2019 going to 2020, it was kind of we started to kind of see the semblances of of what would be COVID 19 at the time. Um, Before that took place, I sat down with some team members and we began to create what I call today the yes criteria. And the yes criteria was essentially a way for us uh, um, and everybody in the business to help make decisions in tough times. And so every business has a measure of chaos, right? Business, pace, complexity that can feel overwhelming at times. And so when you're faced with daily decisions, trying to focus on the main objective, the mission, um, we, c- we can often feel hurried and sometimes that could lead to very costly decisions. So we needed to find a way to help people make decisions even when they felt hurried or in those emotional states. And so the first thing was something called a yes criteria. And the yes criteria simply is a way to help the business and help team members make the best possible decisions for the business themselves and their customers in tough situations and that was the first thing that really helped us at the dawn of the pandemic and even today in particular critical times that yes criteria has helped and um, we split yes criteria into two categories which is personal decision making and then corporate decision making mm-hmm. as a business-led making that's around prioritization and so we asked people to to stop to reflect to decide to act and review and we give them a framework to you know, to do that we gave them some questions to ask does this help drive a strategic initiative? Does this business you know, help the, the business to achieve a specific goal? Does this reduce cost or risk to the business? So every time we saw something that was uniquely um, suited to the business, maybe it's new AI technology, maybe it was a, a particular challenge that had we come up with trying to make decisions, we would apply a yes, this criteria to it and it would help us make decisions. Now, it, it, was it perfect? No, of course it's not perfect but it definitely helped to energize the way in which we thought about everything that we did in the business because everybody felt empowered to go make a decision. And we really kind of cut the red tape and helped really kind of drive autonomy and decision-making across the business. That's the kind of first thing we did when we think about any kind of challenge in the business. Um, if we think about decisions I've made in 2022 and 2023, the primary decision here has actually been with our customers it's better understanding who are they trying to become um, what are they trying to achieve what particular things are important to them and then saying where can we come alongside our clients and once we identify where we can come alongside them then we're asking the question what would need to be true about our business to become that kind of place that helps them to go do those things so out of that decision making we've made a number of different decisions such as launching a technology company in 2020, which we sold last year. Um, And and that was a big decision all by itself. Or this particular year, it's been looking at particular AI use cases and building out particular small capabilities that have helped our clients um, fast track um, the way in which they create reports and create varying different kind of distinctive administrative tasks inside their own business. And we've been able to create some really small use case technologies for them uh, in partnership with our clients along the way. So it's been it's been really looking very dynamically at the market, but really having a very, very detailed, very structured way to make decisions that's really helped us along the way.
0: You know, I think of uh, during times in COVID, I've talked to a lot of people who are in the executive coaching business, thinking that maybe, maybe their business slowed down. They said, no, ironically, it increased because a lot of these CEOs and founders of companies did not navigate COVID and, and they were th- kind of through their company in a, in a turmoil mm. at all levels, not just customers, employees, and income and revenue and all that stuff, uh, I think what you're doing is timely. And I think because what I'm hearing a lot of times through this podcast is a lot of these CEOs and founders have to just be flexible to adapt and maybe even pivot, uh, which means sometimes retooling their, their focus or customer-centric you know, approach. And someone like yourself who can help them get a better handle on that, which has to change over time always, right? Companies morph mm-hmm. over time. Their customers morph over time. Technology okay. changes our purpose in life. Um, so I think what you're doing is is fantastic. I'm sure it is a great need out, need out there for all businesses, small and large. My understanding you Absolutely. work with all business owners. So, okay, the second part of the question is you personally. Now your dad is seven, okay? You got yeah. a, You got a wife and a full team over there. You're building your own internal company over there. Um, you had just moved over to the U S and South Carolina. We talked a little bit of some of those challenges, but you yourself have to get up every Monday, go to work, lead the charge, you have some self-care built in. So I'm more curious, this is more about you personally. What do you do to keep yourself focused?
1: Man, um, I, I often feel it kind of changes every day, but, I, I, there are two things that I do often. And I'll tap into kind of the faith component of really what kind of drives the nature of of how I see um, the work that I do and and the life that I'm living as a father and as a husband. Uh, The first is taking reflective time to just be still, just to allow my thoughts to run, but not necessarily to to allow any one thought to sit for, for too long. So I just allow my thoughts just to go and then I begin then to center my thoughts around the things that I, I believe are most valuable to me. And so I, I will go into kind of almost like a, a reflective a meditative time of just kind of praying and setting in a tent, in tent for the day. I know not everybody has that kind of space, particularly with seven kids. I have to get up pretty early to go do that. But um, for the most part, I try to just be still for the first part of the, the, the time that I get up because I know it's probably gonna be the only time in the day, I'm going to be able to be still and just kind of set an intent for the day and just be available. And if that that sometimes that might mean actually just walking throughout my house, just walking from my, my bedroom to the kitchen, kitchen to the living room, kitchen to the back room, kitchen to the um, to the back garden, whatever that might be. But just that a stillness, just being quiet for a period of time, really helps me personally. Um, and the second part to that is actually just being with the family and having breakfast. That has been important to me. Sounds so simple, but for me, um, I have to sometimes just be reminded that actually the work isn't the work. The work is actually a particular vehicle to a mission that I have. And the mission, first and foremost, is definitely to honor God. The second is to to take care of my family. The third is actually to leave a legacy. And so I think about these things. And so sitting with my family um, just for breakfast, even if I'm just sipping some tea, it just grounds me a little bit to recognize actually work isn't work. Actually work has a mission, it has a purpose. There's a vehicle that it's, that it's, it's providing a vehicle for something else. And actually sitting here with my family and having breakfast is a meaningful exercise in grounding the reality that actually work is not work. If work went away, I'd still be happy sitting here, having breakfast with my family. So those are two things that help me. I know they're really simple. They won't be for everybody being still and just allowing thoughts and just setting my intent and just having breakfast with the family tends to be things that I fall to the most.
0: Very good. They're Very good fundamental principles that have a lot of foundation built into them. Do you, um, Beyond that, do you use mentors? I mean, you're an avid reader, you're an avid learner. How do you keep yourself your mind set more on the business side?
1: Yeah, so I have business groups I'm a part of, so I have accountability. Uh, I think accountability is essential uh, for every single business owner. Not everybody has that kind of community, but I, I definitely implore people who are serious about the development growth of the, themselves and their business to actually be in, in a group where, they can be held accountable for the the, the things that say they want to live out uh, as true in the world uh, directly. So I have two business groups that I'm a part of, one that's much more faith-driven, one's much more business-driven, but with a faith component. The other part to that is ensuring that I can actually get to uh, some sort of physical exercise. So I've just started back, you know, having um, some personal training and uh, getting some physicality, kind of working out uh, but outside of that, I'm, I'm reading and listening to podcasts every single day, but I tend to be very, very specific about what it is that I'm listening to and why I'm listening to it. So I'm not a just a podcast consumer. I tend to try to, to listen to specific episodes of things that I'm looking to solve for, that who, not how area. So if I see, oh, that's a topic I really want to get some insight on, I'll kind of listen to that with the vehicle of knowing that I'm trying to garner something to solve something directly.
0: Very good, and and ultimately your family, but also your customers and your business uh, wins by you doing that. Well, Jermaine, again, thank you for taking time out of your busy day as a dad. Okay, and congratulations on the new newborn, and also as a business owner of multiple companies, I, I don't ever want to take that for granted. Uh, on behalf of our listeners, we're really grateful that you are willing to share your wisdom and insights with all of us. So with that, I want to say thank you for being on the show. And one more time, how can they get a hold of you should they want to utilize your services?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you find me on LinkedIn, Jermaine Edwards, it's probably kind of a primary place to find the consistency of content that's there. And Jermaine Edwards, you can join the community there of business leaders who are really kind of intentionally looking to drive a customer-centric culture.
0: Very good. Well, we're we'll going to put all those in the show notes. The show will be aired in about two, three weeks on all podcast platforms, as well as our YouTube station. And with that, Jermaine, again, I just want to thank you for being on the show, and I hope you have a great day.
1: Hey, man, it's a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Rich.
0: You bet. Rich LeBrun here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form, and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show include the hashtag, get it entrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.